altars and people. We live in a world today that everybody has a burden this morning, amen? And, and I'm not going to come up and start preaching because it's supposed to be an on time and this is your time. We need to learn how to know when the Holy Spirit is in this building, amen? Maybe here this morning, and, and listen. Let's let's give God all the glory for everything He's doing this morning. His presence, His presence is here. No matter what you walk into, no matter what you've been going through this week, God is with you. Amen. Amen. His presence is with you. Thank you, praise team. Let's give them a hand this morning. Amen.
In verse 1 it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send me in to spy out the land of Canaan. And here's that part, Which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe their fathers you shall send a man, and every one a leader among them. Vision. When I talk about vision, I'm talking about God. I'm not talking about your your physical eyesight. I'm talking about we need our spiritual eyes open. Helen Keller was uh, blinded for, for her whole life, and she, they said, "What is the greatest thing, Helen, uh, about your life? What is it? What's what's greater than being blind?" She said, "Having sight and no vision." And how true that is in our lives is to go to church every Sunday, sit in these pews, bring our families, and not have a God, a spiritual vision God has for your life. Man, I can't stay on fire without a vision that God keeps pouring into my life. I I can't preach every Sunday without vision. And vision is also the experience of the supernatural as it is with with your eyes. Experiencing seeing the supernatural in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 9, says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard what God has prepared in the heart of man. And, and everybody says, Well, that's heaven. No, that's now. Because if you can't get excited about what's going on now, you're not going to enjoy heaven. Some of us need victory now, not just when we go to heaven. And, I, and that's, my, that's the very first thing. I love that. I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him. I read something about this week, and it reminded me a lot in school. There's this boy come home. He come marching into his dad and hand his report card to him, and the dad opened it up and read, and it said C, C, D, D, F, 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 F. He said, son, what is this? He said, it's my report card. He said, really? He said, yeah, dad. He just stood there just smiling from ear to ear. He said, why are you smiling? You got C C D D F F F F. You almost failed this whole semester. He goes, Do you have anything to say for yourself on this report card? He looked at his dad and said, Well, there's one thing for sure, Dad. You know I wasn't cheating. Amen. We need to do more than just make we need to do more that need to have a vision. Not just barely scraping by. And I, I'm afraid today there's there's Christians everywhere, there's churches that are barely scraping by, barely making it spiritually. They're having a hard time on their job. They're having a hard time raising their family. They're always in drama everywhere. Things are happening. And it's because we don't have a vision for our life, a God-sized vision. I'm not talking about a vision that we can control and manipulate. I'm talking about a God-sized vision this morning. Amen, church? We need a God. Y'all going to have to preach with me on this one. Amen. Because I'm not going to sit up here and just preach vision. Amen, I guess so, whatever you say, preacher. Sick them, sick them, sick them. God-sized vision. That's probably why you're living a miserable life. You have no vision for your life. There's no spiritual vision. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited to be in a church that has vision that wants to reach people for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have an alive church and not a dead church. There's enough dead churches out there. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross for me to walk in and look like I've been baptized in lemon juice and to soak and sour and give you funny looks. He wanted me to come in so I could have my hands raised and glorify Jesus and said, I ain't got it all together. I'm messed up. But thank God he gave me the victory on the cross. Amen. We're all messed up.
messed up people. How many believe that? And the ones y'all didn't raise your hand, you really messed up. Amen? We're all a bunch of messed up people, but thank God for His grace today. And we need a God. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've messed up once. It don't matter if you're divorced three times. It don't matter if you used to be on alcohol and drugs. God wants to give you this morning a God-sized vision. Quit sitting around and letting the enemy and letting Satan tell you that you're no good, that your parents didn't raise you in church, they were bad. This is my life, how I used to be. The past is the past. Hey, forget the things in the past and press on to the high calling of Jesus Christ in your life. For once, for once, press on to the cross. For once, let Jesus become real in your heart today, church. If we will do that in this church, God will bring revival to this place like we've never experienced before. And I'm not talking about just a bunch of preaching and singing. I'm talking about lives that are being changed for the glory of God this morning. Amen? But it's got to start with a God-sized vision. You've got to give it to God where it's a vision where, man, you know that it's all God working because I... See, we, we like to do a lot of stuff with human talents and then say, boy, wasn't God moving today? There's a difference in playing instruments and having great talent and saying, wow, they're good. Then when you walk out and say, man, that's a spirit-filled, anointed service. We're very smart as human beings. We can manipulate people and make it feel like it's the anointing of God and the spirit of God when we're really just doing using our human talents. But when God's favor and His anointing and His Spirit field is on that church, things just flow. Things happen that don't normally happen. People's lives get changed. And I mean, this is what Moses told him. said, listen, if we're going into the promised land, we've got to get a God-sized vision. Because the Jebusites are there. I mean, the, Hez- the, Hezekiah, the, Hez- the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Termites, and the Mosquitoites, they're all there. I mean, they're there. And we got, listen, if we're going to go in and possess this land, it's not going to be on our own power. It's going to be because of the power of Jesus Christ working through our lives. He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us through the plagues. He brought us all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. Now we're ready to go and take what God has given us. What he's given us. That's what, go back to that verse too, Michelle. That's what God told him. He didn't say, Get over and see what it looks like, and I might give it to you. He said, send me and Moses. Just send them. I want you to send 12 of them to spy out the land of Canaan. Look what God said, which I'm giving to you. When I read that, it's the same way in our spiritual life today. God, listen, Jesus Christ has given. You're already victorious through the cross. How many agree? If you're a saved child of God this morning and you, you're born again, you have victory. So now, you are fighting from victory, not for victory. See what I'm saying? If you're saved, how many is a child of God this morning? You've been saved, born again? Great, great. You are, you are fighting this morning. The, you are walking. You are in the race of life from victory, not for it. You are fighting from victory, not for victory. That's what that's what he's telling them. Go into the land and check it out, spy it out. I'm giving it to you. I mean, watermelons the size of, they're that big around. 
grapes the size of softballs. Man, I'd love to have a grape like that. I could eat it like a grapefruit. Wouldn't that be great? Because I have to eat about 60 to get full, and I could eat four or five and be full. Big old grapes. I mean, he said, I want you to go check this out. Look at the land of milk and honey, the luscious fields where you can raise your family. I have given it to you. But the Israelites are no different than we as, as children of God today. We doubt. We don't trust God. We don't believe him at his word. We don't claim victory in our lives. And we wonder why God's not moving in a mighty way. If we don't take God at his word saying, I've given you the land. I've given it to you. And we got to realize that today, that we have victory. Can you all say that this morning? Victory. That's a little weak. Try a little more. Victory. Y'all getting better. One more. Everybody says, they do a lot of shouting down there. I want to I want the next door neighbors to know we're having church and not asleep in here. Amen. We got enough sleeping churches going around playing church and going through religious motions. It's time we live in a we live in a world today in 2016 where the Spirit of God wants to hover and move upon on the church and change families, change marriages. We don't have time for another song, same Sunday, different verse. Amen. I don't have time for the same Sunday in a different verse, and I, I never want y'all to come in saying, "Well, when it's brother so and so prays, I know what's going to happen." They're going to take up the offering. Sister so-and-so is going to say this, and brother so-and-so is doing this. He's going to preach for 15 minutes because the deacons are already upset if it's 12.01 when he stays up there because they got to get out of there. And we're going to say amen. We're going to give one verse, and nobody's going to walk the aisle that's been doing the same thing for 15 years. The baptistry's got dirt dauber nest in it. Amen. You think that's funny, but there's a lot of churches living every Sunday that way. And Jesus said, I come to you. You need to live from victory, not for victory. I died on the cross for you this morning so you can have victory in your family. I, I died on the cross so you can have victory at school, young people. I died that you can have victory in church. I died for the church. So you can have success in ministry and evangelize and reach people in the, with the power of the gospel on your church. I want people to walk in your church. That's what Jesus is saying. I want people to walk in Pleasant Hill and feel my anointing, my power. There's just something different about that place. And when they leave, they're going, mm, something touched me. Something tugged me. Something's pulling on me. Something is convicting me about the way I'm living my life, the way I'm raising my family. I got to get back and I got to I got to carry that rock across the Jordan this morning. Man, I got to put a rock on the pile. I want my kids when they get big to know we didn't go to church just to go to church. But they knew that they seen the power of God moving and souls being saved, lives being changed. Baptisms. I want the kids at Pleasant Hill, when they get older, to say, man, when Brother George was preaching there, it was enjoyable. We love church. Man, it was great having youth, and it was great having our children's ministry and all the programs, but there was just something that the program, listen, you can have a crowd and not have a church. Amen? Move your hand like this so you're with me. Okay? 
Someone told me earlier, said, now, Brother George, I worked from 11 o'clock to 7 this morning. You're going to have to get with it and keep me awake. She moved up on the second row so I could be right in front of her face. Amen. I'm trying my best, darling. Get a God-sized vision. What are you wanting God to do in your life this morning? What would you love to see God do in this church besides just going to church? What would you like to see God do in your marriage, in our school, in our young people? I don't know about now, but we America's in a mess more than it's ever been. we got more churches out there than we've ever had, and America's still in a mess. So that tells me another church on the next corner is not going to fix the problem. I love people say, well, we're just going to start a new church over here. There's a new, in Hot Springs, I hear all the time, there's a new church starting over there. And that's great. They can start the new church, but somehow to have a true revival, God's got to awaken the dead church that's already going. Now, I don't know what that's going to take, maybe a funeral or two. I don't know. Something's going to have to take place where people are tired of the status quo in their spiritual life. Man, I was amazed last week, and I still am. I, I told them I'll be back down to preach for y'all. I was amazed a couple weeks ago to go in there and preach at Revival, and the youngest one in there was 76. Walkers and canes hanging on the chairs in the aisles. I'm thinking it's going to be a long night. I just hope I can keep them awake. Amen. And nothing wrong with the older generation. Young people get stuck in their ways. You don't got to be 75 to be traditional and not want to change. I know people that's 25. But I come, I just got a new chair last week. Medlin's already making plans this week. I want to take them two chairs and move them over here and move the couch over there because they'll look better. I like it the way it is. Amen? Now, for me to change the furniture in the house, and, and I'm not so upset that, that i got to change the furniture, or, 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 you know, it doesn't bother me to sleep on this side on the couch, amen? Or this side, it don't matter. Or the recliner over here. The problem is, is i got to get off my blessed assurance and make that happen. Amen? That's why I don't like change. That's why a lot of churches don't like change. It's work. you got to put what you've learned and what the Holy Spirit's put inside of you and turn that into action and get up and go. That's what Joshua told him, and I didn't give you this, Michelle, but in Joshua uh, chapter 3, verse 5, 6, 7, 8, long in there, y'all can look it up after church. He told them to concentrate themselves before they go across the Jordan River. He said, concentrate, and that means to set apart. Set yourself apart and get ready for a move of God. Set yourself apart. And, and, and if we're going to be able to consecrate ourselves, then he comes on down, and when they get ready to cross, he hollers out these two words, get ready. Get ready. I'm afraid if I came in maybe to our church, and other churches said, listen, God's on the move. He's given us everything out there. There's nothing but spiritual blessings. He's given us everything according to his will. Get ready. Revival's coming. Get ready. And I'm afraid some churches aren't going to be ready. 
Some churches have a hard time when the Spirit moves and does something different. There's something freaky going on here. Yeah, you're not sitting in the same seat this Sunday. You've been sitting there for 45 years. Someone's already sitting in it, and you had to move. Isn't that great? I love it here at Pleasant Hill. Y'all, y'all flip-flop all the time. I got some sitting in the front of them. Chad and him about two months ago were sitting. Rob, look at Robin and him. They're getting courage. Robin and him was sitting here about two or three weeks ago. And they they like the Jeffersons. They moving on up. Amen? I mean, they moving on up. They're already on the second row. I love it. It's different because if you walk in most churches, can you get up? I've been sitting there 45 years. That's not vision. That's dead stuff. You know, there's difference in vultures and hummingbirds. Vultures fly around looking for dead stuff. Hummingbirds look for life. Where new life is springing up, you're going to find a hummingbird. I've never seen a hummingbird around a nice, I've never seen a vulture flopping around a nice pretty flower. They're always standing on the side of the road when I drive by them, amen? So it depends on what you're looking for. If you live that way long enough, you're going to, be, you're going to die. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not even going to go deeper. Getting a God-sized vision is we got victory. Now, here's another deal. Not only did God give them victory, look in verse 17. God said, you're not going in. I'm giving you this land. It's all yours. All you got to get up and go to it. But to be able to experience a God-sized vision, we got to learn how to follow God. I got one, yeah. Amen, brother. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. Amen. Hey, follow God. Even when it don't feel right and you're following truth, follow truth. Because there's some things that God wants for you that is better. Well, I got it good right now. He wants to give you better. Better things. Look what happened in verse 17. Then Moses sent him to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what this land is like. And see what this land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong, whether they're weak, or whether the land they dwell is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, or whether the forest are there or not there. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season was around the time of the first grapes, ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land in the wilderness of Zin and from Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. And so they went into the land. Here's the deal. Did you know that when they went in there, there was already some, some people knowing they couldn't, couldn't have that land. When they, there, there was 10 of them, matter of fact. I don't know why God sent us in this land. There's giants in this place. Big old walled cities in this place. We just got out of Egypt of slavery for over 400 years. And he expects us to come in here to these big old walled cities and all these ites and idol worshipers and all these giants. We look like a bunch of little grasshoppers and crickets in their sight. You ever felt that away? 
with life's problems, they get so big you look like a little grasshopper in the problem. It's all about perspective. See, they took their eyes off of God and following God and got them on the enemy and the city walls. God's a whole lot bigger than them giants. God, listen, nothing is impossible with God this morning. Amen? We serve a miracle-working God. Amen? How many of y'all believe that? We serve a miracle. It's not over until God says it's over. There may be fumes and there may be a little smoke still there, but God said, I'll kick around in the coals and find one good hot piece, and I'll build a church with that one little ember. I'll build a marriage with that one little ember that's still growing in the, in the smoke clear. I'll take one person in that church. Nobody else wants to step up. I'll use one little hot ember and create a ministry. Amen. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the middle of it. The middle of it. That's what that means. Miss is in the middle of it. And so he didn't tell them. And we do this a lot. God says, you're fighting from victory, not for victory. The land is yours. God really, I mean, Moses thought they'd go over it because they didn't give them the land. Moses said, they're going to come back. They're going to have some of the greatest reports you ever heard. Grapes this big, cantaloupes. I mean, you've got to put them in a wheelbar to take them somewhere. Grapes, you got to put on a pole, and they got to carry them out there so heavy and big. Moses said, oh, this is going to be so good. My people's going to be so pumped to go into the promised land because God's, uh, I, know, I, I know who my God is. I know he's a big God, and I've seen him work. I want my people to see him work. When they come back, they're going to be excited. They're going to say, load up the, they're going to be like the Beverly Hillbillies. Let's load them up and go. Load the family up. We're moving to Canaan. But see, here's what they did. When they got in there, doubt started. They stopped trusting the faithful God. Isn't it amazing how we'll trust God last year to get us through some major problem and then a problem rose around this week and we just fell apart? I don't know what I'm going to do. Do what you did last year. Trust a big God. Amen? Pleasant Hill, that's what we've got to do is trust a big God. Listen, I believe God. God's hand's been on this church the last... I've been here 14, so I'm going to go back just to 14, all right? That's all I can report on. I wasn't here 20 and 25, and back when the church was built in the 60s, it, it may have been full and bust. I don't know. All I know is what God's did in the last 14 years, and he's put his favor and his anointing on his place. Amen? But see, that's just not why we're the church we are. There was a group of people that believed God at his worth, at his word and claim victory even when they didn't see victory. See, you've got to learn to claim it when you don't even see it sometimes, guys. Well, if I see victory, I'm going to shout and do a, a Baptocostal dance. You need to have the faith. I'm not mean you've got to jump up and dance, but you need to have the boldness and the courage to stand up and say, God brought me through the last problem. He brought me through the last one. God is for me. He's not against me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm going to claim victory even though I don't see the giants yet. Amen? That's faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. 
If you're waiting to see everything pan out and then believe in God, your faith ain't very strong. You're believing in people and not God. I love that saying I've seen on Facebook. People leave the church and do this. If you leave church because of somebody in the church, you was worshiping them and not God. Amen? That's pretty good. Write that one down, Michelle. That's my little note taker. At the end of the year, every year, she's done it for the past four years. I got on my wall in, in the hallway of my house, going down the hallway to Hunter's room. The last four years, she has wrote down every quote or what I said in the sermon, and she has typed it out and glued it to a um, canvas, canvas about like this, about like that. All my sayings, certain sayings, not every one of them, but ones that really stuck out, and I've got canvas after canvas down my hall of sayings for the past four years in my sermons. One of them even says, one of them even says Greek word, hogwash. She put that down. She's got all of them sayings like that on that board. So every day when I go by, I go, man, where did I get that from? That's a stupid saying. But I get to see it. People will come over and say, what's all these sayings in there? <clears throat> it's your theological correct preacher. They go, man, this guy sounds like a hick by his sounds. But she records everything. But see, it's, God didn't want these spies to go in. He didn't. Now, this is where we're at in the church. He's given us everything from this day forward to walk in victory, to have ministry, to see people come into their lives be changed. God has given Pleasant Hill victory. How many agrees? Because y'all don't raise your hand. I'm preaching on tithing or something. Going forward with victory. It's ours. It's out there. Let's pretend we're looking over into the promised land as a church today. Right where we're at as a church body, we're looking in the promised land. And some of y'all is already saying, we can't build that. We can't do that. We don't have the money to do that. We're, you know, we got this. And then hogwash. Walk by faith and not sight. We can't just build one building and do this and expect this is all we're ever going to live in at Pleasant Hill. Some of y'all don't like that, but I'm going to preach it. That means you got to dig a little deeper in your wallet, I guess. Well, I don't like building again. We done been through one, and I'm going to be dead and gone before I get to see it. It's not for you. It's for the next generation. That wants victory. It's not for you. Well, I want them to build it this way and that way and just, you know. Victory's way. Victory. We've got to start building for the future in this church, not just for the ones that during your lifetime that go here. Amen. I don't know why we've got dozers going to cost a $1,000 clean that land off. So, stop looking at the walled cities and the giants. Let's start clearing something off and see what God can do. Amen? Well, I don't know about that. Hold on, I'm going to preach about you in a minute. Amen? But God didn't ask him to go into the land and check it out and take a committee with him. 
and take the finance and the secretary with them and the treasurer of the church with them and, and a calculator and, and pinpoint it out and see if they could build and do and see God. He didn't say don't think. Don't go in there saying, can I do it? What if we can do it? Can we finance it? Can we? Can we? We need a committee to really sit down for the next three months and really break it. God said, don't do that. I'm not asking you whether you can. I want you to go in and see the victory. It's already there for you, not if you can do it. It's not about if this church can do it. It's about God's already accomplished it. Amen? That's what you need to quit looking at, because every time some of y'all get ready to step up, you let the devil come and say, you can't do it. You can't. You ain't as hyper and passionate as Brother George is. You can't teach. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to teach like me, because you know why? God only made one, George. I give her an opening. I'm George for God. You be Ross for God, Chad for God. You be Randy for God, Brent for God. And I'll just keep preaching to me and George for God. Amen? Well, I don't know if I can sing as good as so-and-so. You're not so-and-so. Amen? You're you. But you'll never know who you are in Christ until you step out on faith and walk in that victory. You just think, I've seen people time and time again, God, through his anointing and his power, can magnify their gift. There's a verse in Proverbs, I don't know what chapter, but it says, their gift makes room for them. And what I believe that means is when you step out on faith and start using the gift that God gives you, he opens up doors, he opens up opportunities, it makes room because when you walk in and use your gift, you're going to grow in the Lord. And when you're going spiritually, God says, oh, that little six-by-six six shack ain't going to be even big enough for that person in about six years. They're going to need to move on up to a single wide. And then they're going to have to move up to a double. Man, by the, by the sixth, seventh year, they're going to be building the biggest two-story house you've ever seen. Making room for them, spiritually speaking, guys. That's why some of us sit around year after year and feel like spiritual weaklings that can't do nothing and the devil just puts his foot on top of you. It's because you're looking at yourself, the me I see is the me I'll be. Did you hear that? And so if you're always listening, every time you look in that mirror, the devil's always going to tell you you can't do it. Every morning you wake up, He's going to tell you, you can't lead that church. He tries to look at me in the mirror and say, you can't preach. You ain't got a seminary degree. You ain't got a Ph.D., MBB, or whatever you want to call it. And I have to remind him, not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, says the Lord. That's what I have to remind him. We got a lot of preachers' seminary degrees that powerless. Powerless. It's all memorized. It's nothing heartfelt. They're not led by the Spirit. They just got to make another Sunday. So I got to get a sermon. Let's go to the internet. It's twelve fifteen at night. I got to get one for in the morning. They'll copy it. I've heard. I've been in other churches and seen preachers preach sermons that I've seen in books. 
I'm going, I know where he got that at. It's a book. A sermon that was in a book already wrote out. I'm thinking, if you're going to preach it, at least preach it in your own words. Amen. At least preach it in your own words, not word for word. But we do that as church members, and God never makes room for us because we're not willing to get up. He said, I give the land to you. Go check it out. See, they missed the point. We missed the point. God's not wanting to know whether you can do it or not. He knows you can do it. He's not worried about whether you're educated enough, smart enough. He, let, let's look at this church. He's not looking at Pleasant Hill saying, I wonder if they can do it. God says, I know Pleasant Hill can because my hand is on that church. Amen? He's not worried about whether you're educated enough or don't worry about your past. He says, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Let me give you a little bit of what God's done in this church. I don't have pictures. All I had to do was sit down and write and call some people in ministry because I, I, want, I wanted some of y'all to hear what's going on in our church. We do more than just come in on Sundays. I love our nursery. I look at it this morning. There's kids everywhere in that nursery. Man, there's a whole cage full out there. When I walk by, bless their hearts, pray for them. But we got people that rotate and work the nursery to give parents a chance to come in here and be still and let God speak to them without worrying about whether their kid is clawing the walls up in there. Amen? I could preach over your baby. Don't worry about your baby's crying. Well, if I take him in there, he'll cry and mess brother. He won't mess brother George up. I don't even hear him cry. The food pantry. Let's just take the food pantry. Brother Walt and six or eight people that work down there every Wednesday from 10 to what? 11 to 3. They helped 4,500 people last year give them food for their families. 4,500. And our impact youth, I don't know, Brent, did you figure up or about how many? 20 salvations and two surrenders this last year in the 7th through 12th. They average. They average 60 7th through 12th graders every Wednesday night and impact youth. Amen? The Gospel Project told Jamie to try to figure out. She said they had 30 salvations or decisions or rededications last year alone in Gospel Project. 30. And not counting the workers that are down there of 8 to 12 people. You got teachers, you got kitchen workers, you got people that sign them in. They're everywhere. You walk in, the little kids, they're ready to have fun on Wednesday nights. Um, fruitful servants. Chad started fruitful service. God laid it on his heart. Give him a vision. And I'm going to talk about the process of a vision for our clothes, but this is how every one of these ministries started was from a God sized vision. It was a God idea, not just a good idea. But fruitful servants, they have helped many families pay bills. 
move families from house to house. They built a wheelchair ramp. And I can't read my own writing. They helped in yard works, tree planting. They helped Miss Vicky in her yard after Mitch died. They, uh, I'm going to write better. Something doors for Stephanie Upchurch. For her grandpa, they fixed doors in the roof and cleaned up around Stephanie's grandparents' house. They uh, fixed a driveway for Chris and Samantha. A dryer for Lonnie and Alice. I thought it was Alan. Alice. Jesus in Disguise, another ministry that started off of a vision. 200 backpacks in August. 54 haircuts given to the kids to start school. Amen. Not counting the Christmas angel tree of how many families did y'all help last year, Candy? Do you remember just a 20-something families with five and six and seven kids in its family? Somebody said, that's only 20 families. 20 families plus seven in each family was a lot of families for Christmas. We helped out feeding the band. When school started, we fed the whole Lake Hamilton band, 225 people. And told them we appreciate them. Went the first day of school, took baskets to all the teacher lounges at Lake Hamilton and give out to them. We appreciate you teaching our kids. That's just some through Jesus' disguise. Driveway church, something that started out of going to Mountain Pine uh, Revival. Chad and Randy and Tim rode with me. We got back and we was stood in there in Randy's driveway for an hour and let me preach to him some more. Randy or somebody comes up with, hey, let's start something called Driveway Church. We can all meet at someone's house, bring our chairs, bring a, we can do devotional, have testimonies, right out in our yard and call it Driveway. See how God works? There's been 60 to 7 people, 60 to 70 attending that. And by the way, we've got a driveway church April the 17th. Stand up, Johnny and Lisa. It's going to be at Johnny and Lisa's house on Sunday night. Come be a part. Our local missions, you're going to have to help me. The local ones. Faith Point. Change Point, Samaritan Ministries, and we were sponsoring one refuge. We were doing Peru missions just in that area. Men's ministry, we've been having 45 to 50 men. <clears throat> and what a change in, in the guys' lives. Turning them into leaders. Because, see, the church needs to have more than just women leaders. They need men that will lead. And so the, they do the Ironman tournament. They're doing three Ironman fishing tournaments. <clears throat> the money goes to Impact, Children's Ministry, and then back to the men's ministry. Just last weekend, uh, the, just last week, 17 
What was it, Rick? 80 or 50? 1750 was raised and given to the Impact Youth through an Ironman fishing tournament. That's pretty good. And by the way, men, this Tuesday night at 630 in the Fellowship Hall, men's meeting. You say, well, I don't know if I know anybody. Well, how are you going to get to know somebody? Come on out. Don't let the devil be a liar in your ear. Amen? Uh, women's ministries just, they really started kicking that back up. How many of y'all been having down there? Forty? Yeah. And so God will start birthing visions out of the women's ministry. Uh, Mission Hot Springs last year. They were at the park up here at um, Baseball Park up here, Whittington. How many of y'all remember got saved that week? About 10, 26, 27, 4 where they were at. And, and all they did was set up in a park, had games for the kids, and presented the gospel to them. And to the parents that were standing around. And, and said, hey, do you know Jesus? And wound up getting saved. Kids started coming to the impact youth. See how God works? It don't just happen. Church don't just happen. We just show up, take our Bible, sit together as a family, and God will do the rest. You've got to go spy out the land and go in there and say, hey, God's given us this and put action to our convictions. Amen. Now, as overall, I, I call Miss Charlene this week because we've had lots of salvations and baptisms in one year. We've had 85 additions to this church. Forty-something, I don't remember, 40 or 50 were baptisms, the rest were however they came, by church letter, by statement, whatever. However they joined, 85, and I think that was 85 before today. So where's Ronnie at? Next week, Ronnie, you make it number 90, brother. Ronnie, Ronnie will be baptized next Sunday. So see what I'm saying? God has given Pleasant Hill victory. He's not asking us whether we think we can do it or we got enough money to do it. He's just asking us to step out on faith and let him provide. And it's 1230, and I wanted to preach another point, but I ain't got time. Wherever God leads us, he'll provide for us. Can I say that again? Wherever God leads you or this church, and we're in the will of God, and we know without a doubt we're in the will of God, and I believe we're in the will of God because look at the results I just read to you. That's not by just being lucky. With God, there's no luck. Wherever God leads this church, he's going to provide for it. I used this as an example last week, and I was hoping he'd be here today, but he's not. Eric Carpenter. Eric wanted to be a fireman. He, he, he wanted to be a fireman, and so he, over at Little Rock, they pay really good as, at the fire academy. I mean, to be a fireman is a lot more pay than here. He's been over since October. 
Every week he had to study and at the end of the week take a test. At the end of that week, if he made below a certain score, he flunked and they sent him back to Hot Springs and he'd go find another job. Every week since October, he had to study and pass a test and move on. Study, pass a test, move on. He said the first week, Brother George, some guys didn't take them seriously. About six of them flunked their test and were gone the first week. And just last week, he took his last test, and now he's a fireman. It was a process. And you say, well, why are you bringing it up? Because that is the process of a vision. It starts off with a thought. I think I could teach that class. Or God starts putting thoughts into your mind about, I think I could help in that area of church. You know, I was watching him down there. I think I could help in gospel project or impact or, you know, I like to play an instrument. I think I could help. It starts with a thought. But then God turns it into a conviction. And then from that conviction, God bursts out of a conviction to action. I like to always say, I thought it, I called it, and I bought it. Amen. Uh, you, first, you, you thought it, then you caught it, and then you got to buy into it. And what do you see him buying into it? When God gives you that thought, then he convicts you over it. You got up out of faith and applied yourself to whatever to help that vision become reality. You didn't just sit there. You went and got involved in a certain area, or you want to go back for another degree or a nursing school. You got to go to college. I want to be a nurse. I want to do this. It's got to become, if a bit, God's going to supernaturally work in that, it's got to go from a thought to an action. Then you need to go to Garland County and sign up in the nursing school and get ready, baby. Buckle up and hold on. God's going to carry you through. Same way in our church. We, got, we thank it. I thought it. I caught it. And I bought it. That's what happens to make a vision become reality in this church. Everyone in here is convicted to do something. But some of us are only on the I thought it stage. Amen? Some of us leave here every Sunday just on the I thought it stage. You've got to get into where it bursts into I caught it and then bursts into saying, hey, I'm going to get up and go do something about that. They need help in this area of the church. I won't quit just thinking about it. Sooner or later, guys, listen, all the sermons in the world won't help you. All the encouragement friends in this church won't help you. you just got to set in your mind and something's got to rise up in you by the Spirit of God and say, I'm going to do it. That's it. I can't explain it no simpler than that. we got to quit thinking about it and start doing it. Amen. Heavenly Father, I love you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would birth a vision. Lord, a God-sized vision in this church. Let us go from just thinking about helping, thinking about the vision, to, Lord, turn it into a conviction in our hearts. To, Lord, to go from a conviction to step up in faith and start applying things to our life to see it be accomplished. There's not a place in this church where people aren't welcome.
Now, the enemy and the devil has lied and lied and lied to you and to others. But that's the lie from hell. And you need to see that there's always going to be negative naysayers in the church. Because when they went over into the promised land, ten came back with a bad negative report. Only two of them came back and said, we can take it. They're going to be in Pleasant Hill. They're going to continue to be here. You know, I think sometimes God just called them people just to be negative. (laughs) That's their job in life to make other ones feel bad. But you're going to have to put a death ear to the devil, to the naysayers, to the negative people, and say, I'm fighting today from victory, not for victory, devil. I want about time in my life, I want to get up and walk in some victory and not stay in the old pig pen all the time. Lord, set me up. Put my feet on the solid rock this morning. Assure me, give me confidence in knowing that I have victory. And Lord, I pray today that from this day forward that you would give Pleasant Hill Church victory in what we do. Show us that you have given it all to us we got to get up and go claim it. Claim the victory for ourselves this morning. Lord, there may be some here that God's been birthing a vision, but they've had their feelings hurt. They've been shut down. They've been, the devil's used every trick in the book. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would stir the gift in them this morning. Stir the gift so it can make room for them. And they can experience you so much more than just on Sunday morning, sitting in a pew. But, Lord, make room for them with a God-sized vision and purpose for their lives. Lord, these altars are fixing to be open. And I know without a doubt your spirit's here today, Jesus. And I know there's a lot of I thought it's in this building this morning. But, Lord, take us from I thought it to, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm catching it. I'm getting it. I know what you died on the cross for. You're starting to show me your purpose and your plan for my life in this church instead of just being saved and waiting for Jesus to call his church home. Between the time Jesus calls his church home and now, there's a lot of stuff God wants to do in and through this church. And, Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way this morning. Lord, we're asking, we're crying out. Lord, we need you to do everything that we need to accomplish in this church. Lord, we need you. We can't do it on our human achievements and our human talents. Lord, we need the gift to be stirred in us that you died on the cross and give to the church so we can say, give glory to my church. Lord, I'm tired of mediocre church. I'm tired of just showing up and seeing people satisfied with just doing church. But Lord, call out an army this morning. Call out a group of people that are willing to walk in your truth and in your mercy and your love and your grace. Call me crazy, call you on, but God wants revival to fall on this church body. 
He wants it to fall on Lake Hamilton. But we got to be a people that do more than just think about it. We got to move to action. Lord, stir us. Stir us. Stir us this morning. You say, man, you're passionate this morning. It's time to get passionate about Jesus. It's time to get passionate about this church. God has given us the land, church. We just got to claim it. Lord, move and have your way in this service this morning. For the ones that don't believe this, they'll die in the wilderness. I know they will. They don't think God can do nothing. They can't move. They will die in the wilderness like the ones that didn't believe you at your word. But, Lord, you're raising up a new generation of people that are ready to walk into the promised land and say, that grape is mine. Lord, move this way. Move in a mighty way this morning. Touch our hearts. Bring us together in unity and love as a church body. Give us vision as a church body. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand. Give him a hand clap this morning. Amen. Come right where you're at. What is God laying on your heart? Come to his altar, his throne of grace. What is God trying to birth in your spirit this morning? Won't you come? Come right where you're at. Don't wait.